This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hi there, this is the Sports Oracle, the Village Elliot. I'm here to tell you about the Browns quarterback situation. I'm recording this a few days early. I'm hoping that by the time that this airs, that Kevin Stefanski will have come to his senses and that the Browns will have a new starting quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I also hope that Andrew Barry will come to his senses and that the Browns will have signed a backup quarterback to the practice squad. I don't know what the odds are that this will happen, but we can hope that it will happen. I think the Browns have been crazy about quarterbacks, and this is a problem that the Browns have had since forever, uh, really since about 1955. The Browns have been totally crazy about quarterbacks. It's in our blood. It really has been just something that's part of our history, really. Browns, it's not the fans, it's the team. We have been insane about quarterbacks for the longest time. And um, really, I can tell you all about it. In fact, I think I will. I'm going to tell you about what's been going on since autogram <laughs> it's really been since autogram retired it's been that long let me get this uh slide up and running let's see slow slideshow and there we are all right so what happened in 1955 one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time autogram retired he had a 10-year career he was in the championship game 10 straight years in fact, 11 straight if you count basketball because he has a basketball world championship ring. That is absolutely correct. He has eight world championship rings, one in basketball, seven in football. So take that, Tom Brady. Uh, so anyway, he retired, and then it was, you know, we got to find the next autogram. Well, there is no next autogram. The Browns did pass on a... Hall of Fame quarterback and Len Dawson. They said, you know, we've got so much talent. Um, Len, why don't you go sign with the new American Football League, sign with the Dallas Texans, who then became the Kansas City Chiefs. So he did, and he eventually made the Hall of Fame, went to the Super Bowl, all that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, that hurt. Now, what really started to hurt us, though, was Art Modell being his own general manager. It started when he traded Clifton McNeil, a part of a three-way deal, in which uh, he got a draft pick for Clifton, and that was traded for Bill Nelson, who was a very good quarterback, but he, you know he had bad knees and really had a limited lifetime as a player. And Clifton McNeil made the All-Pro team, um, and uh, I don't know if that was a very good trade, Mr. Modell. But that didn't stop Art. He decided that he would trade Hall of Famer Paul Warfield and future All-Pro 
halfback Ron Johnson in the same year in order to get Art Modell's version of Joe Namath. That was going to be Mike Phipps, a hotshot quarterback from Purdue. That was going to solve all the Browns' problems. Didn't quite work out. Oh, okay. So then what happens while Mike Phipps is throwing interceptions? The Browns did have a quarterback on the roster that was pretty good. His name was Brian Seip. But for years, Browns fans in the front office cried about Brian Seip because he wasn't tall. We need to have a tall quarterback in order to be our quarterback, everybody. We just can't have a short quarterback be our guy. And so, you know, Browns were not satisfied with Brian Seip. And then eventually, by 1980, he became player of the year. And I guess, well, okay, I guess it was okay to have a short quarterback guy. It wasn't too big because he could really play. And they finally figured that out, and he was our guy. So, all right, we got that patched up for a little while. But then um, it was Donald Trump and the New Jersey Generals, and they signed away Brian Seip to the new World Football League. That was a traumatic experience right there. What made us really paranoid about backup quarterbacks was Vinny Testaverde. He took away Bernie Kosar's job with Bill Belichick as our head coach. From then on, Browns fans have tended to really be suspicious about backup quarterbacks and kind of hate them and regard them as an enemy that might try to take away the job of the first-string quarterback. And we've never had a healthy attitude about the second-string quarterback after that, really, in my opinion. It was Bernie Testaverde's fault because we loved Bernie and Vinny was kind of the enemy. We never really accepted him, although I think even Bernie would realize that, you know, his body was really hurting in 1993 and he was really not with the program. You know, he was fighting with the head coach and stuff, and it made sense to switch to Vinny Testaverde at that point. Uh, Tim Couch led the team to the playoffs in 2003 but he was too injured by that time from having too many sacks and could not continue as the Browns' number one quarterback. A lot of people call him a draft bust, which is totally, totally unfair. Nevertheless, in that year, the Browns decided to trade up to draft Kellen Winslow instead of Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, the thinking that went into that is just totally pathological. It made no sense. Um, blaming things on Tim Couch, completely ridiculous. He led the team to the playoffs in his fourth year. What do you want? Are you going to blame him for being injured? If you're going to blame him for being injured, okay, fine. But he did lead the team to the playoffs, uh, got injured. Kelly Holcomb did a great job, almost pulled it out against the Steelers. Anyway, okay, 2007, the Browns move up to draft Brady Quinn by trading away first-round draft pick in the next year. That was probably not a good move. Brady was probably a good quarterback, but he also wound up uh, getting hurt. I think he injured his finger, and he never regained feeling in it. Broke his finger doesn't sound like much, but if you have a numb finger and can't throw, I think that was really what his problem was. He never really made it as a quarterback. I think he could have had he not had that injury as a rookie. 2012, the Browns suffered from terrible neurosis and thought that you could draft a 28-year-old that had skipped four years of, of his development in order to play professional baseball. You can't do that. You cannot give up four years of development in order to do something else, come back and still play quarterback. I mean, you can play a little bit, 
but you really can't lose that much development time and still play. Uh, it's just not, it's just not possible. Come on. Uh, Johnny, Johnny Manziel was drafted by our owner, Jim Haslam the third. It was a mistake. He listened to a homeless guy instead of his front office. That was stupid. Um, okay. And then now we had, uh, by 2017, Deshaun Watson proved that he was the franchise with one good half in exhibition play. That was also pathological thinking, and they traded away their veteran quarterbacks, uh, notably Josh McCown, RG3. No wonder they went 0-16. That was a mistake. They should never be allowed to go 0-16. They should have fired everybody at that point. Um, then they, uh, by 2020. 22, they solved all their problems by overpaying for Deshaun Watson $230 million for guaranteed, um, uh, I think it's a four-year deal, right? Or maybe it's five years. But anyway, it's, it's a ridiculous deal. There's no more controversy, right? We've just got the best quarterback possible, a franchise dude. I don't know. I, I just really think we overpaid way too much for Deshaun um, and uh, he has not reestablished himself as a premier quarterback. But anyway, the question I really want to talk about is Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Let's talk about his career. He had five years of major college football. He played at UCLA, you know, not at Alabama, not at Georgia, not at Ohio State, but nevertheless, look at the numbers. He piled up really good numbers in five years at UCLA. Remember, that they had a COVID year where the um, Pac-12 basically shut down. And so they gave everybody an extra year of eligibility. He took advantage of it. He did graduate with a four-year degree. Um, and, uh, you know, he came back with quarterback ratings in the 150s, uh, just really excellent, excellent performance. He also ran a lot. Notice that the last two seasons of his career down at the bottom here, he ran for 600 yards both seasons. Uh, he really was the offense for UCLA and uh, had really good ratio of touchdowns to interceptions, did everything well. Um, normally, okay, if you had four years, three or four years of major college football and you're considered NFL ready, five years of excelling at the major college level, you are considered NFL ready. Uh, reasons to not like Dorian Thompson Robinson as well. He played at UCLA in Chip Kelly's system. We don't really like Chip Kelly because he, you know, kind of runs a, a um, gimmicky uh, running quarterbacks offense, and it's not really, we think, an NFL type system, although he did run it with the Philadelphia Eagles and won a lot of games with it. But we think of that as a college, excuse me, a college offense rather than an NFL offense. So that's one strike against him. The other strike against him is he's kind of skinny. He weighs just a little bit over 200 pounds. And so we think, well, he needs to beef up in order to be um, survivable in the NFL. So those are the reasons why we don't like we, meaning the uh, the community of talent evaluators 
who like to evaluate quarterbacks, maybe those reasons are why people let Dorian Thompson Robinson slide all the way to round uh, five, I think it was, uh, before uh, allowing him to be drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Okay, so anyway, he should be ready because remember the Browns do play a quarterback uh, running offense with Deshaun Watson liking to run. So he's pretty close to what the Browns want to do anyway, even though he is a running quarterback. That's not a bad thing in the Browns offense. He had... Okay, and this kind of summarizes the uh, situation. Five years of major college ball. He's going to be 24 years old on November 24th, so he's a mature man, not a, not a little kid, like age 21. And um, uh, he is a college graduate, not somebody that dropped out of college to enter the NFL early. And, uh, you know, the knocks on him, he's the only two, 203 pounds the system quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And also UCLA is not a powerhouse in the same way that Alabama or Ohio State is, uh, are, I should say. The records at UCLA were three and nine, four and eight, three and four. Then they started to get better, eight and four, nine and four. So DTR did have a very positive influence all the time he was there. It was consistent improvement. Uh, course, we'll share credit with Chip Kelly and all the other very good players at UCLA. But the point is they were not national title contenders during that time. And so we can say, oh, well, that program is just really not at the top echelon that we want to see for our uh, franchise quarterback. Okay. All right. So what about the decision-making process that was used to evaluate DTR? It started out very carefully considering his merits in college scouting. And then in the spring after he's drafted, the summer training camp, they decided that, you know what, we like him better than Joshua Dobbs. Uh, they did like Joshua Dobbs, always have. They had Joshua Dobbs almost the entire season last year. They let him go at the end after Deshaun Watson came back. And, uh, you know, Dobbs had an audition um, with Tennessee, did very, very well. but uh, So they're pleased with Joshua Dobbs, but they thought uh, when they brought Dobbs back this uh, uh, spring and summer, they thought, you know, we think that DTR is actually a little bit better, and uh, he deserves to be the backup quarterback, the number two quarterback uh, outright. He's really earned the job. And then what happened uh, Watson was going to play quarterback against Baltimore after injuring his arm. Um, they thought, well, we think he's okay. He's going to be all right for Baltimore. But then when he tried to play catch and warm up on the sidelines, he wasn't ready. And so they gave him uh, two hours advance notice that uh, DTR, you've got to be ready to be the number one guy against Baltimore and executing the game plan that had been designed for Watson. He wound up throwing three interceptions and just generally played poorly against what is you know, now recognized to be the number one defense in the NFL. It was the Cleveland Browns for a while, but the Browns, or excuse me, the 
Baltimore Ravens have edged the Browns and now are ranked number one. So uh, DTR had a bad game against the number one ranked defense, and we hold it against him. Uh, game one of his career with two hours advanced preparation, and he's done. Uh, that reversed the entire assessment that they had reached over a period of months of training camp and years of scouting at UCLA. He's done. And P.J. Walker was brought in, and he was going to be the starter from that game forward. That doesn't really sound like consistent, uh, you know, planning by the front office and by the coaching staff that they're going to change their minds about their assessment of Dorian Thompson-Robinson as the Browns' second-string quarterback after one data point. That's enough for them to decide that, oh, you know what? We think P.J. Walker is the better candidate to be the backup instead of DTR. And, um, you know, we think that that uh, uh, DTR is still better than Joshua Dobbs, but uh, he's not ready yet. How did they reach that conclusion after one game? I think that's crazy. Okay, so let's ask. Um, um, and I don't want to dump on uh, PJ that much because the, a couple reasons. One is that there is no uh, summer camp, or there was no summer camp for PJ. He was signed after uh, summer camp was complete, so that's not his fault. He, he did not have the benefit of a full uh, off season and a full training camp, and uh, he's been doing most of his work without Nick Chubb. And uh, that's not easy to do. The, he's not had a good supporting cast. The Browns' offensive line has not met expectations. They have not had good uh, participation or good uh, results from Donovan Peoples-Jones, in particular, a wide receiver. Uh, it's not been a good year for the Browns' offense in general. Nevertheless, uh, the results are not good from the quarterback position. He has completed less than, a little bit less than 50% of his passes. He's thrown one touchdown versus five interceptions. And remember, uh, DTR is zero for three. And PJ has uh, 6.4 yards per attempt, which is a very low number. And the interception percentage is 5.2%, which is a high number. So I have to ask, how big of an improvement is this over DTR? Are you really happy that you made this decision based on one data point for DTR against Baltimore, which, again, was the best defense in the NFL thus far in the season? And the Browns pull the data point on a rookie after one game. That is so Browns. That is just so Browns, man. Um, are you sure that you made the right call? And again, I'm not expecting this show to air until uh, Wednesday or possibly Thursday. And by then, I'm hoping that there will be an announcement by Kevin Stefanski that DTR 
Uh, we'll be starting the next game against Arizona. I hope that that's the case and that this is a moot point. But at the time that this uh, broadcast is being prepared, this decision had not been made. And that's why the Oracle is attempting to forecast the future or influence the future and hope that the Browns do, in fact, get DTR uh, a second chance because the, the rationale for continuing uh, P.J. Walker at this point is just not there. The results have not really been favorable. It's, it's just that simple. It's not to say that he won't improve. Um, again, he's been handicapped by not having a training camp, and he's sort of learning on the job. I do think that he will improve um, as the season progresses, but it's a very, very painful process. And I think that uh, DTR does have the advantage of having had uh, training camp, and he's probably ahead of um, PJ at this point. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Well, so there you have it. Um, I'm hoping that the Browns are going to make a rational decision about quarterback. That would be unusual for the Browns. They usually operate in a paranoid manner. They don't think straight when it comes to the quarterback. You know, we have this mania that we have to have a franchise quarterback, this man magical unicorn of a player that's going to do some kind of fantastic stuff and nothing else will be satisfactory. I think we might have to just deal with the fact that we're going to have just a guy to be the quarterback, no matter who it is, whether it's Deshaun Watson, whether it's uh, DTR or whether it's PJ, uh, we're just going to have an ordinary guy that's the quarterback for this team. And we're going to try to win the games with defense this season. But I think of the, the candidates that are available for Arizona, I think DTR is probably the best candidate of the three. I think Watson probably needs to rest. I don't think we can trust him when he says his arm is good. He may or may not be telling the truth. I think he needs an extra week off. That's my opinion. Um, I'm not a doctor, but I think that uh, Watson has calibrated his own judgment, and he's not capable of making a sound judgment about when he's ready. And we need to tie him down and make him wait a couple extra weeks to see if he'll be able to heal up. Um, and then uh, we just have not gotten the results that we want from PJ, and there's every expectation that DTR should be able to play at the NFL level, and if the Browns thought that he was going to be better uh, than uh, Joshua Dobbs based on what they saw in the summer, that judgment sh should be 
should be valid. I think the Browns should have confidence in the judgment that they exercised in the summer, not give up after one game. They should continue to stay the course and stick with the kid, give him a chance, give him a support, and not jack him around and see if he comes through. I think he probably will do pretty good. Give him a vanilla game plan. Um, try to emphasize ball control, short passes, not anything really exotic. Try to win the game with defense. Like, you know, uh, if we get a situation like we had in Seattle, let's run the ball rather than try to pass it and risk an interception. Be conservative. But I think he'll probably do a very good job. Let's give him a shot and see if we can come come up with a W against Arizona. Thank you, everyone. I'm signing off. This is the Village Elliot. Take care now.